Hey everyone, this is Lindsay Schnell from CampusRushNSI.com. I've hijacked the Tourney Talk podcast this week, but I promise it's for a good reason. I spent the first and second rounds in Spokane, where the Ducks were the top team there. They played St. Joe's in the round of 32, and because of that, we all got a lot of Phil Martelli in the press conference. Martelli has been in the game forever. He's been in at St. Joe's as the head coach for 21 seasons. He spent 10 seasons there as an assistant, and before that, he was a high school coach. He's unfiltered, he's quotable, and he's funny. This makes for the perfect interview candidate. At the Spokane site, Martelli spoke pretty candidly about his son, Phil Martelli Jr., being let go at Delaware, where he was an, an assistant. That entire coaching staff got let go. And it happened right before Martelli and St. Joe's had to play Cincinnati in the first round. He talked in post game about it being a rough day for his family, about trying to balance fatherhood with coaching, even now at 61 when his kids are grown. So I'm in Philly this week. I was just here for the East Regional. And I drove out to St. Joe's because I wanted to talk with Martelli more about how you balance those things the stress of this job, and what he thought on the final four. This is our conversation. Hope you enjoy it. So what do you think about the final four? Well, I'm, I'm really delighted for college basketball that we have uh, such an unusual grouping in uh, Villanova and Oklahoma I think it's great that those two teams in particular are older. Mm-hmm. Buddy Heald staying in school. Right. Ryan Arch uh, leading the charge for Villanova. Uh, we're not this year for sure. It's not a one-and-done explosion. Right. Uh, so that to me is uh, delightful for the game. I think that Syracuse making it and really if you go back three weeks and people are debating whether they belong or they didn't belong – Certainly for these four games, they've proven that they belonged and their style with the zone has caused uh, difficulties mm-hmm. uh, for others. And then I think you have the brilliance of North Carolina. They're and, so good. Yeah, and until you've studied them uh, like people are now able to do during it, you don't really get. Uh, so when you start talking about all Americans and, and Bryce Jones, like who's better than him? I think he's the toughest one-on-one matchup left in the final yeah, four. Yeah, it's just it's just an amazing uh, feat. And when you have the backstory of all that's going on with Carolina right. and, and the stories that that brings up, or the, I'm sorry, the questions that that brings up, I think it's really, really fascinating um, that these are the four teams that have basically survived to this point. And uh, I really don't know how it'll play out. So I'm excited to be there this weekend. When you watch games now, like I assumed you watched yesterday, are you watching them as a fan or are you watching it as a coach? Are you seeing things, you know, get at the ball to the high post? What are you doing on this press breaker? Do you yell at the TV like you yell at your players? <laughs> uh, no, but I do file things away. Okay. I'll say, boy, that's an interesting thing. And I might jot something down and put it in a file. I, I travel with a file of basketball ideas. Mm. Uh, and... If Old I see, school, written down or on your phone? No, no, no. I write them down. <laughs> I, I don't know how to work my phone other than to text. Uh, but I, I like to um, study these ideas. 
And I think the best learning experience for college coaches is about to happen. The NBA playoffs to me are Ooh. They're they're that's real X and O. Hmm. That's real uh so I I would actually to be honest with you, I would like to have the nerve. I don't have the nerve, but I'd like to have the nerve to call uh, Villanova because mm-hmm. they're the closest school to us. Yeah. I'd like to just watch a practice. See what see how are they going to practice in preparation for the biggest stage. Uh, I like to reach out to Jim Beheim, who's a friend of mine, and say, hey, you mind if I come by the hotel on Thursday night? What are they doing on Thursday night? Yeah. And how can I translate that to my team next year when we're going to play at St. Louis? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you should. I, I might. I mean, I, Jay Wright seems very nice. Oh, he's a wonderful guy. That, that's, that's number one. Like Anybody who thinks that there's some kind of Philadelphia rivalry doesn't exist among the coaches. I get it among the fan bases, uh, but among the, the uh, coaches, I'll tell you a story. We lost in 04 to Oklahoma State. I met with my team. Uh, we went back to the hotel. We had something to eat. We made some announcements. I let our seniors vote on whether they wanted to come home or stay in the hotel that night. They wanted to come home. and then So this is maybe four hours after the game, and I checked my cell phone. Uh, at the time, and the first voicemail that I was, had was from Jay Wright mm. saying, you know, he f- felt badly. And that's the kind of relationship. Uh, Have you reached out to him since that? Uh, I've texted with him. Yeah, I, I've texted with him. I've texted with the other people at Villanova, uh, administrators that I know. And uh, I'm actually between, I might need your help on this. Oh, okay. So I'm, I'm thinking about either sending uh, flowers mm-hmm. to their office. Or sending a uh, bottle of champagne to their office. Hmm. So I'm going to make that decision sometime later today. That's what I was leaning towards. Yeah, I think that's more festive, yeah, more I, celebratory. I think that's what I'm going to do. You're going to go to the Final Four. It's I the am. coaches' convention. Okay, you've been coaching a long time. Clearly, you have your file folder still that you write plays down. But when you go to the convention, is it is it about networking, or are you learning stuff still at this point? Wow, that's a really good question. Because I started off when I was when I became the head coach, and it was a social experience. Right, it people was, go to party. It was who, who was I going to eat dinner with? Um, who was I going to connect? I had two sons that were coming up in the business. Who was I going to connect with to connect for them? Um, and then about. 15 years ago, I was invited by the NABC mm-hmm. to join the board. And since that moment in time, it's a working convention. It's truly okay. a convention. It's a convention that you would go to. It's a convention that a doctor would go to. And I'm there uh, in my small way, and I, and I say this humbly. I'm in the, going there to make coaching a little bit better and to make our game a little bit better. So if that's listening to Mark Emirates speak, if it's, if it's meeting with the NBA to hear their plans for the combine, whatever that would be, and uh, when I start on Thursday, I'll have meetings up until uh, Saturday afternoon when the games take place. Sunday's a little bit slower. Monday's much slower. But uh, it's become a working convention. This is my last year on the NABC board. Mm. Uh, so I am looking forward to going there, um, going to the games, and uh, – 
Do you actually go to the games? Most I coaches don't. watch them no, know, I go. from a bar. <laughs> I go. Since I, since I joined the board, uh, like I said, 15 years ago, I've gone every, uh, every Saturday and every Monday. And I will tell you this. Monday in the host city is about the loneliest day of the year. <laughs> There's no one left. Yeah. Everybody's gone. And um, it's late. Right. You know, 9 o'clock tip is a late I know. tip. So, uh, and then you're processing in your brain. You're in the first flight home on Tuesday and recruiting starts when you, right. so, uh, you don't want to be losing ground. So while you're watching that game, you're in this arena with a hundred thousand people watching a game and you're thinking, I wonder who my league is talking to kids on the phone. <laughs> it's a little bit bizarre way to make a living, but, I, can you go and enjoy it? Or do you sit there and think, Oh, we should be playing in this. Um, two years ago in Connecticut, won it. It didn't dawn on me until halfway through the second half where it looked like they were going to win. And it became this out-of-body experience because I was like, two weeks ago, if we had gotten one rebound, mm-hmm. we'd have beat them. Right. Now, I'm not saying we would have been in that right, game but... on that Monday night. Uh, so the, the personal connections here with – Jim Beheim coming from a 10 seed, from Villanova being six miles away. Uh, there's going to be part of me saying, what, do, what, do, what could we have done in that one game? What, how about, what would have happened yeah. if – and I think this has happened to Villanova. I think getting through Iowa has just opened up all the windows and opened up all the doors, and they're just they're, – they're, they're just rolling they're right They're on now. a cloud. They're, they're literally on a cloud. Uh, that I don't know if anybody can stop. So you spoke really candidly in Spokane about dealing with your, your son got let go at Delaware. How, how do you balance this? You know, I had asked you something in that press conference about, are you having any fun this time of year? Cause it's so stressful. So how do you balance this? You're trying to be a coach right now. You got to go to the convention. You got to be a professional. You got to do all this stuff for the board, but you're a dad too. And you want to make sure that he's taken care of. No, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, listen and watch and see who gets certain jobs and where there's a connection. Uh, so I'm certainly going to be there uh, re- reaching out. Uh, now, full disclosure, I was at the Final Four when the Rutgers thing broke. My, my son was involved in that. Mm-hmm. I had a son involved in that. And I took the phone call when he told me that – they had pictures of him or audio of him. I came home. I couldn't stay mm. uh, because I had to be a father at that point. Yeah. I didn't have to be the president of the NABC or anything like that. So in this case, I told my son, like, this is not social. Even though you're young and everybody thinks it's a, so- a social experience, you have to go down there. You have to network. You have to me- say the right things. You have to be viewed the right way. You have to do it with dignity, and I'm going to do the same thing uh, uh, for him. This this is not this is not this is a business slash personal right. uh, weekend for me. Not just a not just a uh, celebration of college basketball or the position that I have or the year that we had. Have you been fired before ever? I've never been fired. So what did you say to him? How could you level with him? Well, I, I worked with a coach here. My, my, the first coach that I worked with here uh, resigned in December. 
okay. but stayed on till March. I was an assistant coach. So basically, you're nameless, mm-hmm. you're faceless, right. and you become like a ghost. Like you could go to a high school game and say, I'm recruiting for the program, yeah. but people are looking at you, and, and you have to carry yourself and not put yourself in position where you've talked negatively about uh, the school. Mm-hmm. You, you can't talk negatively about the guy that you worked for. Right. You have to eliminate opinions like, why would they give the job to, and I'm just using the name, why would they give the job at Pitt to Kevin Stallings? Why didn't they call me? Right. But you, you, can't, you can't do any of that because everything, every nuance is being judged. And the only thing that I told him was, to make sure that what Delaware wanted, which is to pay them through June 30th, mm-hmm. that Delaware got them, that, that they got that. And that uh, to take the experience that you had and become better, not bitter. That's, I like that. So this is the son that has the, the little, right. the grandson that was all over the tournament on TV right. last year. So how old is he? He's six. How do you explain to a six-year-old? Did you guys talk about this? We haven't yet. Okay. I'm not sure that he that he uh, gets it. Um, I'm not sure that he that um, he gets like he's he's not going to the Delaware games right uh, anymore. Um, there's part of me, to be honest with you, Lindsay, that that said like this kid has seen stuff that kids shouldn't see. Right. You know, like. People come up to him and say, I saw you on television. Well, that doesn't happen to a four-year-old or a five-year-old or a six-year-old. Or they'll ask him what he thinks about a game or or been written about in the New York Times. And uh, so it's not – there's 60 families now, 60 head coaches times three assistant coaches. So that's 240 families that are going through – where am I going to be working on July right. 1? He doesn't need to know that, nor does he is he fully aware of um, the downside. He he sees it as his grandfather and his father, and his and his father on his mother's side mm-hmm. is a very successful high school coach in Connecticut. Okay, so he, he gets it. He thinks it's about basketball, yeah, and not about the business. And that that for now that's fine. Yeah, he's pretty cute. Yeah, he's a good little kid. I. Yeah, he he's. Um, Does he want to be a coach when he grows up? Uh, well, some days he would tell you that he wants to announce. Oh, and yes. S- some days he'll tell you uh, that he wants to work in construction. No one in my family could. Nobody in my family knows how a hammer works. <laughs> so why he would be construction, uh, I don't have a- any idea. But just to have shared some of the experiences that he's had you know, mm-hmm. be- because of the connection he's met Steph Curry like what oh. little kid wouldn't uh, you know do anything for for that opportunity and at the same time uh, we want to make sure that he's six I think all the time about when a when a coach loses their job what's happening with their kids because I've heard too many horror stories of teachers telling their kids your dad just got fired um moms like rushing to school to pull their kids out and you forget that part of it when you when we see it or as fans you know when fans are calling for someone's head you totally forget that's a human being with a family (laughs) yeah that's 
uh, we sign up for this, mm-hmm. right? And we're, and we're, many of us are uh, very comfortably reimbursed for our efforts. <laughs> right. Uh, but our families don't. And when it turns, and I'll be honest with you, I, I'm a big uh, inclusive guy. Like, I mm-hmm. want everybody to feel a part. I want people to walk in here and walk back to my office and not think, wow, it's some kind of uh, yeah. fortress. Yeah, and, and you can't get in. Or, or, or I want somebody to be comfortable asking me a question, what do you think? And know that I'm going to tell you or what I really think or feel and not be hesitant or not fall into that. But when you include so many people, and if it turns, mm-hmm. and people are quick to tell you when somebody turns, that, that hurts more than just the anonymous person that will say, you know, really, uh, I don't think that's the right person for the job. And then when, you're, when your family gets it, mm-hmm. uh, particularly when you're when you're in your home if you know what I mean yeah. like I get these guys that now move and you know the big the, the that latest uh, flurry of articles about when is too long at one place too yeah, long right you know when is that too long uh, I've never really thought about that but now I get it and yeah. and if if 10 days ago the people at Vanderbilt weren't happy with Kevin Stallings well yeah I get it and my only question, and I'm not using Kevin Stallings, but my only question is, I want to sell to a family in recruiting mm-hmm. what I really believe in, and I believe in St. Joseph's. If you're moving job to job, what do you, what do you, what do you sell? What's your belief in that particular institution? Yeah. Uh, that's the only thing that makes me scratch my head, and I get why people move because. Uh, particularly with social media now oh. people can say and you're 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 you spend a lot of your time as you well do in uh disproving the disproving the rumor as we yeah. are proving the truth that's a really good way to put it have you thought about has it have you ever had conversations you know like with your wife with your family over the years of coaching when you thought i can't do this anymore i'm going to quit and what else would you do? <laughs> right. If, 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 uh, like always, so like as heartbreaking as it was to lose to Oregon, the first thing that I thought of was my players. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you have each other because there's varying degrees of responses that might, uh, some guy might get over it quicker, another guy might take longer. Make sure that you reach out. Then the next thing is my family. Is my family all right? I, I'm not worried about myself. I, I'll, I'll get there. Uh, but there have certainly been times, and when I was an assistant coach and you have three kids and you're making $30,000 right. and you're saying. Which is the reality for a lot of people right, in this profession. Right. Is, is, is this the right thing? But you, you start even before that. Mm-hmm. It's not, is this the right thing? You start with being self-critical. Am I good enough? Yeah. Am I good enough? And uh, do you feel like you are still working to answer that question? Absolutely. I I I, I feel that way. Um, and then when you get a year like this, 
where you feel like you clicked mm -hmm. and now you're at the end of the year and there's a you know a, a thread pulling this way or a thread pulling that way or a thread pulling this way and you think yeah I, I have to get the juices going to to because I want to be able to answer that question I'm good enough I'm good enough and uh, not only am I good enough but I'm going to be better mm -hmm. than I was because I think if you stay the same and you get complacent, then you're getting past. I have a friend who likes to say, if you're not evolving, you're revolving. There you go. Which I think is very true. Yeah, it's so, you know, if we're going to say to the players, you know, understand this, that in the Atlantic 10, somebody's in the gym or somebody's in the library or somebody's in the weight room or somebody's at their home becoming a better son. Mm -hmm. And if you think that because you woke up today as a good player – then you're getting passed. So to me, it's the same as coach. That's why I keep this little file and just say, I really like that. I really, mm -hmm. I really like this. Or it might, it might be something, it might be something uh, that a, a comment that a coach made. Uh, for instance, the Notre Dame game last night. Mike Bray made it a point to take Demetrius Jackson out of that game mm -hmm. when the game was decided so that he could hug him yep. and that the fans could acknowledge him. At our last home game here, I left two seniors out there to run the clock out. We weren't going to win the game. Mm -hmm. And I apologized to those kids two days later. I should have taken them out so that they could be acknowledged one more time and instead of being like, quote, unquote, the brat who mm -hmm. was disappointed that we were going to lose the game. Um, so I, I write stuff like that down and say, don't forget that. Don't forget that. Or all the people that have been so kind in reaching out. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't come up with a flowers to Villanova. Somebody sent me flowers last week for our season. Oh, that's awesome. So uh, a former player sent them. So why shouldn't I pay that forward? Right. How much longer do you think you can coach? Because as we talked about, it does – I mean, it, it wears on people. Roy Williams can barely walk. I couldn't believe he made no. it up the ladder last night I to saw cut that. the net down. And then cut his finger. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I know it's not a year. I know it's not two. I know I can look at the families that are coming in to visit this week that I will coach during your son's, uh, you know, the next four or five years. Do you think you uh, would even like being retired? Uh, I would be uh, – I wouldn't be very good at being retired. <laughs> but I also would not be very good at hanging on. Okay. Uh, because you are right on point. This takes everything. This takes everything – this takes everything that you have, and it does. It takes away from you being a son – takes away from you being a husband, takes away from you being a father, takes away from you being a grandfather because the energies that it takes are 24 hours a day. And to be not good at it, but to be great, it's all in all the time. Right. So there, there's a point in time where you have to say, I have to do something else to be fair to all those around me, most especially to the players. If I ever felt like I 
that I didn't have everything, if I couldn't be all in, if I couldn't sit in today's, uh, you know, with a senior picking an agent, if I couldn't do that, uh, then I would say I'll, I'll go do something else. You're good friends with someone who is great, I think, in Gino or Emma. You've known him forever. He's in the news all the time. What do people not know about him? Give me, I want to hear your best Gino story. Well, Gino's like persona. Gino's persona hasn't changed a lick from when he was the JV coach. I was the varsity head coach. <laughs> he was the JV coach. So that same kind of swagger, mm-hmm. he had the same swagger. The, uh, the drive to be extraordinary, he had the same drive. So when he was a bartender, he wanted to be the best bartender. When he sold shoes, he wanted to be the best at selling shoes. And uh, people think that he has a lot now. So he has a lot of material goods. But back then when he had nothing, he would give you the shirt off your back if it would make you more comfortable. Today he would give you the shirt off his back if he thought it would make you uh, more comfortable. Uh, the, The... Attention has kind of pulled him back a little bit. Uh, he's not as socially, no, uh, he's not as accessible mm-hmm. in social settings as he once was. Uh, but in terms of the, the core of who he is and what he is driven to do, uh, which is to pursue perfection in basketball. Mm-hmm. He's not playing against who, who they play tonight, Texas. Yeah. He's not playing against Texas. He's not playing next week, uh, you know, against Baylor. He's not playing next week against last week against Mississippi State. What he is driven to do is to see if he can coach his team to have a perfect day, a perfect game, and a perfect year. Not an undefeated season, mm-hmm. but a per- and he knows what he's what what it is that he's chasing. One thing that I feel like gets lost in the conversation with him on the surface level, people say, "Well, UConn wins because they get the best players." Certainly, that helps, but his ability to develop kids over the season, over their careers, is incredible, and. He is just a master motivator. I no mean, question. Bree Stewart talked about it the other day. She said he, he's got all these tactics. You know, he'll bench you. He'll give you the silent treatment. He'll yell at you. He'll he'll praise someone else in front of you. <laughs> you know, he's got everything. Do you think that's why he's had so much success? I think the success started with a vision. I think he went there with UConn and – I think he was not afraid to say out loud, we want to be the best program in America. And rather than look at, say, well, when they started, they played in that old field house, he never looked at that as being a reason to stop because he felt uh, that he could take them on the court and coach. Uh, And I don't think that's changed. I don't think it's changed because of Tarasi. I don't think it's changed because of Sue Bird. Rebecca, uh, uh, Stewie, I don't think they, – they have been coached uh, 
and in some t- cases broken mm-hmm. uh, to go above and beyond uh, the extraordinary. This is, uh, you know, we, we had conversations about, we never had conversations about wooden, mm-hmm. but when it started to pile up, yeah, uh, it was driven to be the best women's coach of all time. Uh, I think that's been accomplished. Yeah, I would say so. uh, I think now he wants for the players who are coming in to feel feel the exhilaration that comes with going above anything that you can dream of. And so the tactics, they're not put-ons. Yeah. They're not put-ons. If he was running a construction company, (laughs) if he was running a bank – uh, if he was a teacher of seventh graders, I, the, the, the goal would be the best. And that would be that everybody in his company exceed their wildest expectations. If you had to describe Gino to someone who had never met him, what story, what anecdote would you share that like sums up who he is? Well, it would be the decision to go to Virginia when Debbie Ryan offered him the job. Uh, he lived in a one-bedroom apartment. His wife was teaching probably, at the time, making $2,500. Gino was piecing together jobs so that he could be a JV basketball coach with me. Uh, he was bartending. He was selling shoes. He was doing concrete. He was doing all those things. He met Debbie at a camp, talked to her by phone. He never visited Charlottesville. Oh, I didn't know that. And uh, he put all his stuff in like a little U-Haul. And his thinking was, if it didn't work, if it doesn't work, I can always come back. So he didn't leave Norristown thinking, I'm going to go to Charlottesville so I can go to Penn State, to, so mm-hmm. I can go to UConn, so I can go to UCLA. It was somebody was going to pay him to coach basketball. And then the, the ego kicked in. So I want to be the best assistant coach in the country. Mm-hmm. I want to be the best recruiter in the country. And um, it, that, that to me s- speaks volumes. That the person that he counted on was his wife, Kathy. And uh, he went with no guarantees because even – the greatest uh, storyteller of all time could not have come up with this story. <laughs> you brought up recruiting, which is the lifeblood of any program. We know that. Do you like recruiting still? I, I mean, love there's, recruiting. Really? There I, are so many parts of it that are annoying. I, you have I, crazy parents, AAU coaches, the people trying to be in between, diva 17-year-olds. Why do you like it still? Well, I... I see myself as a people person. Mm-hmm. I like meeting people. I like getting people to tell me what their dreams are. And then I try best I can to match up my needs with their wants. And we don't have to enter into a world of, of this isn't a candy store. We can't just take two of everything and see how it works out. <laughs> yeah. I, I like being held personally responsible 
for uh, a young guy to push for his dreams. I want him to articulate those dreams, and then I want to hold him accountable for those dreams because then I know where I can push and pull and prod. I like the idea of finding out the differences, what makes one kid tick than another. I mean, we have a rule here, uh, and it's articulated to all of them, that they will be treated fairly. But because I say you will be treated fairly, you will not be treated the same. same. And I try to live by that. Um, I like the I like the logistics of like planning out where to go, who to see, what to do. Um, I do get disappointed in recruiting because I work really hard to try to build a relationship that's involving myself and the player. And then at the end, whatever the player's decision, I just ask for respect back that, that you tell me. Mm-hmm. And I will ask you, and, and this makes young people uncomfortable, what was the difference maker? Oh. You know, just, to, just tell me, because I want to get better at what yeah, I do. that's interesting. So what, what's the difference maker? What have you and, heard back? Well, small arena, uh, uh, school's not big enough, uh, closer to home. Uh, less competition at my position. Um, Have you heard anything to, that you can change? Uh, yeah, uh, it's interesting. Uh, young people will say, I felt like I knew their players better. So oh. then I'll go back and I'll look at the, the itineraries of mm-hmm. visits and I'll say, well, they didn't spend enough time with our players. Or maybe they did and there wasn't a connection. Hmm. Maybe we're better off finding out now than yeah. <laughs> getting the call the next spring and I'm transferring. So I try to anticipate what, what could come up, uh, whether it be position. Um, and that's hurtful, to be honest with you, because when, yeah. I, when you put yourself all in as the head coach and you don't get them, just like losing to Oregon, it feels like a loss. It's everyone's biggest fear is rejection. Right. Like, and, it's just like dating. Right, right. And then you go, and then you go, and that's a big change in my 21 years. Everybody on message boards and chat mm. rooms, and they label it as a loss. Yeah. You know, we lost, so, we lost, we didn't get Lindsay. Yeah, but maybe there was a reason. Maybe there's a really good reason. But everything now in recruiting is publicized, mm-hmm. and everything is wins and losses. I, I'm not crazy about that, um, but I but I don't want my assistant coaches seen as just recruiters. So they're responsible for player development. They're responsible for scouting. Uh, they're responsible to a group on campus, you know, whether it be security, academics, cafeteria. Uh, I always think it's funny when you see games and they're, we all know the assistants that are only in charge of recruiting and during games, they're just like hanging out. They're, they're just, just chilling the on the bench. They're just watching the game. <laughs> and anytime they start, there are a few that anytime they start to say something in the huddle, I'm sitting there thinking no one's listening to you. Right. Right. <laughs> so I, I uh, and, and if I had a, like a secret hurt, uh, my hurt has been like I, I want to get my assistants the same opportunity that I've been presented here, mm-hmm. uh, and I've been able to do that. 
you know, uh, Monte Ross left here and coached at Delaware, and Matt Brady left here and coached at Marist. Um, I would like them to to have this opportunity. And when you have year like we had this year, you would think it's going to generate some interest, and it's still been quiet. So hmm. um, that's a a little bit of a that's a slight yeah. uh, that I I have to get over. What's the craziest thing that's ever happened to you during a recruiting trip? Lost your luggage, wound up in a bad uh, neighborhood. It was in the south. Uh, and I had been given the address. What year is this? Oh, jeez. Eight years ago? Nine years okay, ago? Okay, so we have GPS. So, so you, there is a GPS, so I don't, have the G- I don't have the GPS. I was big into paper... <laughs> Directions. I follow this. I follow the directions that my secretary had so kindly printed out. It's raining sideways, and I'm going through turn left, right, left, right, left, right. Supposedly going to a hotel where literally I was going to only be for about three hours. Right. And I pulled up to uh, a house in the middle of a block with. No cell phone power. Oh, boy. Trying to figure out what I could possibly do. And um, I realized I was in the wrong place, but I couldn't stop for directions. I wasn't comfortable. Mm -hmm. So I just drove until I saw a police car, and I just asked them for directions to the airport because I knew I'd find... A hotel. I never found my hotel that night. Wow. And uh, I do think we ended up getting the kid. But uh, <laughs> that was that was the that was the loneliest feeling I ever had because I had mm. no phone, and I really had no idea where I was. Uh, that and then a trip when I was an assistant coach. Uh, I went to Europe, and. Uh, I was supposed to make a connection uh, to see a practice. Mm-hmm. And I ended up in the smallest of small towns on a street corner for close to six hours because I could never find. Oh, my god! I couldn't find a phone and I couldn't find the person that was supposed to pick me up. After six hours, a taxi pulled up and the person in broken English said to me, uh, so-and-so told me to tell you to get in the taxi and I'm going to take you to the gym. And I did. And I thought I could become one of these. I could end up on 60 minutes here. Yeah. Some American, or a lifetime movie. Right. I could be a, an American who was captured uh, <laughs> for no apparent reason. Did you get uh, that kid? We didn't get that kid. <laughs> <laughs> I think all the time about whenever I uh, – go somewhere uh when i'm covering something i go to like a high school that i've never been to and oh you plug it into your phone and then it doesn't take you to the right place and you plug it in somewhere else what was it like in the days when you just had paper maps i just had i used to have them uh i mean you are well aware of this vegas thing where you're in this gym for 20 minutes oh my and gosh. across yeah. town and i used to do it all by paper and i'd be flipping the papers <laughs> and i and i do think about this though think about all the coaches that were doing that yeah only by the fortune of God being involved are not coaches literally maimed in car accidents it's having true. done that. So now I kill for the GPS. If I, if I was going from here to my home 
But I was in a rental car. I would say, give me a GPS. <laughs> because I just, I, I, uh, I'm just, I'm addicted to it now. Everyone is. Just like we, none of us know anyone's phone numbers That's anymore. Right. You know? Roy Williams said something the other day uh, at the press conference. Someone asked him about, how much do you like this team compared to this other team? And he said, well, you can't have favorites. You can't have favorites. I don't think that that's actually true. I think that coaches have favorites. Do you have a favorite player that's played for you? I have a player that I've learned more from than any other player I ever had. He's 15 years old. And uh, I was a first-year high school coach at the age of 22, 23. Wow. And I cut the kid because he wasn't big enough. And this kid came every day the whole year, sophomore in high school. And uh, I cut him. And uh, he came every day. He was a manager. And his junior year, he made the JV team. And his senior year, he was all league. Wow. And uh, he got a scholarship to play college basketball. And uh, I always say this. At the age of 15, he taught me more about the love of the game. Kid's name's Johnny Custer. Um, He taught me more than I could ever teach him. And uh, I asked him one time, why? Why'd you come back? Because you're the MTV generation. I don't like this. I like this. I like this. I don't like this. I don't like this. I used to like that. I don't like this. I like this. I don't like that. And so after um, all that time, uh, he told me that he had a dream when he was in fourth grade that he was going to play for the local high school team and no one was going to deny him his dream. And I told him that was much more powerful than him even making the team and me telling the story and that he had taught me. Um, so I think that one of the things that I'm most appreciative of, that players, players have taught me. Some players teach me things that I don't want to repeat. <laughs> yeah. And there are other players that I would say, you know what, I need to add that or I need to do this uh, better. So I get what Roy Williams is saying about mm-hmm. not measuring one team against another. Um, and I think – But they've the, got, they've the, got to be guys that, like, if they walk through the door right now, you would just light up. Yeah, the beauty in this – the beauty in this is that um, when you're a lifer, mm-hmm. uh, the players that you have, you sign on for them for life too. So you expect the phone call about – marriage, Mm -hmm. children, job change. You expect a call when they lose a loved one, they lose a job, uh, and you're you're on board. And so to me, uh, teams that give to you and allow you to coach them and not manage them, they're the favorites. because there's an awful lot of managing that goes, whether it's managing family expectations, whether it's managing um, uh, individual agendas. Um, when you can coach in today's world, what a joy. You said that uh, you love the NBA playoffs, to watch them, to study them. Do you have a favorite NBA coach, NBA team? Uh, no, not really. Um, Whose practice do you want to sit in on? 
Well, I, I think everybody would want to sit in on Popovich. Right. Because to me, um, like I'm in the – I'm obviously in a minority, but – to me, the best basketball coach in America is Bob Hurley at St. Anthony's High School. Okay. <laughs> uh, but certainly Popovich, uh, it, it's, it's uh, fascinating. I try to read as much as I can uh, on uh, what he thinks and how he thinks. Um, X and O wise, uh, I, I was enamored with um, – now they've changed again, but but you know how he played with Duncan in mm-hmm. his prime, uh, Ginobili in his prime. Um, so I I don't really uh, I don't follow the NBA during the year. So right. if somebody said to me, like I'm well aware Golden State is great and San Antonio is great, but if somebody said to me, who's the third best team in the West? I don't know. Is it Oklahoma I don't know City? Either. Is it uh, who's the second best team in the East? I think that uh, you know, from afar, having competed against them, what Brad Stevens has done at Boston is stunning. Unless they've signed guys that I that I'm not aware <laughs> of. Uh, but I think that when you watch the NBA and say they have to play the same team in another 48 hours, and there's something. They right. tweak something. How do they do that? How, how, what kind of, because they're, they're, the basketball IQ of their players is no different than the basketball IQ of my players. It's just something, the way they deliver it, whether it's their verbiage, whether it's their film, whatever it would be, it's just a fascinating time. And there is no basketball. There's no March Madness that compares to uh, the NBA playoffs. So let's say one of your former players called you. Coach, I want to get into coaching. What's your sales pitch for why he should do it and your sales pitch for why he should run the other direction? Uh, I don't have a sales pitch for the other direction. Okay. I really don't. Uh, I, I want them to understand that, yeah, it looks nice. Uh, but I have four jobs of mine that I'm responsible for. And there's 300 programs in America that have a job like mine and then, if they're lucky, four jobs – uh, but if you want to coach, do you, do you really know what that means? What does that mean to you? And here's what it means to me. That means that you're willing to sweep the floor and you're willing to collect the uniforms and you're willing to deal with the disappointment of hearing no and you're willing to hear uh, – you're, you're willing to get your hands dirty because – and not in a negative way, mm-hmm. but it is a business – uh, and a profession where you have to work. There's no substitute you, 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 for it. You can't fake it. You cannot fake it. And I always use this with people that come in and say, I want to coach. I'll say, okay, great. You have to think of it as a funnel. And at the top of the funnel is the ninth grade coach, is the JV coach. And then as the funnel gets a little bit smaller, it's a head high school coach. And then the funnel gets a little bit smaller and it's a Division three coach and a Division two coach. And then at the very bottom of the funnel, with all these people rushing to get to the bottom of the funnel, mm. are 300 jobs times four, 1,200 jobs. And why you? Why would you come out of that funnel? And so when you Ooh, want it, when, really you say, when you say you want to coach, do you really want to coach? 
or do you want my job? Well, thanks again to Phil Martelli of St. Joseph's University for the conversation, the hospitality, and really just the time. Love being able to pick coaches' brains, and now I get to record those conversations with all this sweet equipment that I have. So thanks again for listening to everyone out there. Tune in next time to Tourney Talk for a breakdown of the Final Four, and then this weekend a breakdown in the national championship game we will know who's playing in it by late saturday night